Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and uh, this is The Informed Catholic, and this is going to be episode, uh, I believe, 164. <laughs> I'll correct it later on. Um, so, uh, this is going to be the 28th Sunday in Ordinary Time. The 28th Sunday of Ordinary Time, and we're going to do the readings for that. So uh, let's begin with the opening prayer, the act of contrition in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray with me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision, Christe elision, Christe elision, Christe elision. Kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, heavenly King, O God, almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world. Receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High. Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So now we are in the 28th Sunday of Ordinary Time. And we are going to, um, we're going to do the readings for that. Hold on, i got to make sure I find the year B. That's where we need to be at. Okay, found it. So uh, now we're in October, and October is the month of uh, also the Rosary, uh, the um, month of the Holy Rosary, uh, October 7th, basically it begins. Now uh, that basically goes back to Our Lady of Victory, which was the original uh, title, and then it was changed to Our Lady of the Rosary. Uh, Our Lady of Victory goes back to the Battle of Lepanto uh, when the Ottoman Turks were going to invade um, Italy, invade Rome, and they were going to um, make a massive, massive, you could, you could say armada, an attack, uh, you know, and invade and destroy Christendom. And, um, you know... It's a story I would like to pursue in the future to read about it uh, more because I think it's something we should pursue uh, because we understand it. But there was uh, that was actually also the first time, uh, if anyone is interested to know, that the uh, image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, the first icon image from the New World, or what they called the New World, uh, 
made its way uh, in a battle in a European in a battle in the old world. They put her image on the sails, uh, the flag, her, her image of Guadalupe on the, on one of the the sails, and it was you know you can see it in some of the paintings. Um, first time an icon image, a new icon image of a, of the Blessed Lady, a Catholic image was was put on the uh the sails and it was on flags so that's that's something uh, uh for for people to know especially from mexico that they should be very proud of it was the first time that image was made it was taken from the new world back to the old world as a as a, as a christian image going into a big major battle because this battle was very important in the sense that imagine if the church were successful, uh, it would have changed the, the map of Europe forever. And uh, uh, the Pope at the time, which I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, was um, uh, very, um, he was very, I mean, he, he just knew in an internal spiritual knowledge that they won. It was storm came, wiped out the Turkish fleet and they, and uh, the Christian fleet was left untouched. Fantastic. Amazing. It was a, a very biblical thing. When you think about it, like in the Bible, the Bible, like the fall of the walls of Jericho, the parting of the Red Sea, um, uh, just fantastic, a fantastic thing basically. And, you know, um, it's wonderful, uh, when you see, like the Catholic faith, this particular, um, uh, how influences, how uh, the Catholic revelation, private revelation, apparitions like the Blessed Mother show up. And and you know it's the truth when it quickly uh, finds deep root because in, 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 our, in our Catholic faith, deep root and it, and it doesn't, you know, it, it, it basically, it's almost like it was always there. Uh, the image of our, uh, of Guadalupe is grounded, just like Lourdes is grounded. La Salette is grounded. Fatima quickly, it, it, it makes its appearance on the scene in history and it's grounded like it was always there. That's how you know it's true. That's how you know uh, it's, it's not something that was made up because it quickly fi finds a place in our faith in historically, dogmatically, um, theologically, um, <laughs> you know, and it finds root and it stays there. It doesn't budge. And it's like it's always been there because it was always there. You know, um, you know, doctrine, doctrine and dogma, it stays there. You know, you may not have seen it, maybe, maybe we, we, you know, didn't have a name for it, like Our Lady Guadalupe or Lourdes or La Salette or Fatima. But once it's there, it never leaves. It stays there. 
whenever we reach a critical point in our history, God, God comes in and he sets up uh, that, that, that pillar of faith and it never leaves. It never leaves. You may have looked, maybe it wasn't there, but when, when it's revealed to us, it's as though we always knew it and it never leaps. And that's, that's the beauty of the Catholic faith. That's the beauty of the, the Christian faith. You know, we Catholics, we know we, when, we, when, when something is revealed, we know it's true. Okay, false teachings, immoral things, immoral uh, practices, things that are against nature, things that are against uh, against uh, family, things that are against uh, uh, faith, heresies, apostasies, they never take root. They never take root. And they're not original. They're not original. All heresy, all immoral practices, all immoral things never take root. A politician can 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 try to wiggle his or her way out of something and say, I'm against something, I'm personally against it, but I won't impose it on others. I won't impose it on my view. Guess what? They're gonna they'll be there for a short while. You know, and also it's nothing new. Because, you know, we had like, uh, I mean, think about it. Herod the Great, right? Herod the Great. He kills all the, uh, the newborn children of Bethlehem under two years of age. We've, how many Herods have we had? How, how many Herods have we had? We've had Nero. We've had Caligula. We've had all kinds of different bad d d uh, rulers and everything else. They come along and they, 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 they poison the water. Right. And quickly, you know, God makes his move. And, you know, I mean, maybe we could tolerate it for a while. Maybe we have to endure it. it. God permits it for a short while, not because he wants to hurt us, but because he wants he wants us to wake up. To be true Catholics again, to be true Christians again. And he sends us uh, a miracle. To overcome it. So that we can be stronger. Okay? It, don't worry about it. Don't worry about all these problems we're having. The Joe Bidens, the Nancy Pelosi's, the Mario or Andrew Cuomo's, the, the George Soros's, all those things. They're just, they're there for a short while. But soon, God sweeps them away. They're like grass or beasts in the field and they're not there anymore. Like the Psalm says, I walk by again. Where is the sinner? They have a chance to repent, make amends with God. But like Paul says in, one, in, in his letter to Timothy, some men use religion as personal gain. Even the bad bishops and the bad priests, the bad popes, the bad cardinals, the bad monsignors, the bad theologians, the horrible teachers in the universities, they will all be gone. There's nothing original about them. 
Nothing that they teach or believe is going to, is different. All right? The Karl Marxes, the Saul Alinsky's, all right? Nothing, nothing they do. The, the Stalins or the Lenins, nothing. They, they're all the same. They're there. God permits them to be there for a short time and they're gone. And they may, they may rule from the grave, but that's because God permits it. Only because he wants his people to be on their, on their feet, to be spiritually alert. Christ always said, be awake. That's like the first woke you can think about. I mean, you know, seriously, that's, you know, they, they act like though their word is new. It's not. It's only there for a short time. But he wants us to be awake, to be aware of evil. Evil is at the door. Crouching like a wild animal, ready to master us. Sin. That's what it is. It's sin. And guess what happens? Some of us are awake. And some are not. Some of us are alert. We got our spiritual armor on, like Paul warns us. We got our shield, we got our helmet of faith, we got our breastplate, we got our sword sharpened and ready. We have to be alert. All right? Stay alert, be aware. Some of us may stumble a little bit here and there. You know, we may get lazy in our prayer life. We may forget to say a rosary, but guess what? Quickly ground yourself again. You know, quickly ground yourself again. You know, if you have to like spice up your prayer life a little bit, maybe find something, you know, but be, a, you know, we, we quickly have to get ready because, you know, there are more things in the future coming. We're, we're at a, we're at a critical point in our, in our, in our faith. We're at a critical point. Something's going to change. Something major is going to happen along the way. I mean, this COVID thing was just the start of it. We all knew something was coming. Okay, but something else is coming along and we have to be ready for it. We have to stay alert, be ready. It's coming. We don't know when, how it's coming, what major shift is going to take place in human history. But we got to be on our guard. It's coming. Let's go on to the readings. Okay, the first reading is from the Book of Wisdom, chapter 7, verse 7, verse 7 to 11. 7, 11. <laughs> 7, 7, 11. Okay, Wisdom, Book of Wisdom, chapter 7, verse 7 to 11. I deem the riches nothing in comparison to wisdom. A reading from the Book of Wisdom. I prayed and prudence, prudence was given, given me. I pleaded and the spirit of wisdom came to me. I preferred her to scepter and throne. I deemed riches nothing in comparison with her, nor did I liken my, any priceless gem to her, because all gold in view of her is a little sand, and before her silver is to be accounted a, of, of uh, accounted mire, Beyond health and calmness, I loved her, and I chose 
to have her rather than light. Because the splendor of, of her never yields to sleep, yet all good things together come to me in her company and countless riches at her hands. Okay, one more time. Wisdom, chapter 7, verse 7 to 11. I prayed, and prudence was given me. I pleaded, and the spirit of wisdom came to me. I preferred her to scepter and throne. I deemed riches nothing in comparison with her. Nor did I liken any priceless gem to her, because all gold in view of her is a little sand, and before her silver is to be accounted mire. Beyond health and calmness, I loved her, and I chose to have her rather than light, because the splendor of her never yields to sleep. Yet all good things together came to me in company, in her company, and counsels riches at her hands. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so I prayed and prudence was given given me. I pleaded and the spirit of wisdom came to me. I preferred her to scepter and throne. Now, what the best way to, to look at this is that this is telling us that pray for God's wisdom, for God to give us wisdom, to give us prudence, uh, self-control, uh, caution, making careful choices, to avoid making choices that are spiritually harmful, not just to us, but those we love, those around us. Because we're constantly, constantly being bombarded in this world, right? We're bombarded by temptations. We're bombarded by uh, lust. Like today, today, you know, we, we, we live in a very materialistic world. And it's easy to be tempted to get something because it's the new thing. It's the, it's the new, the new fad, the new style, the new fashion. And it's easy to, to, um, to want something that is satisfying to the senses, satisfying to, to our vanity, to, to satisfy the hunger and our vanity and our in our vain thinking and to 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 be harmful spiritually harmful maybe even physically harmful like food and maybe even at the same time to to follow everyone else because that's what we we don't want to be out out of uh out of a social circle we want to be in a social circle we want to be accepted but here the writer, the holy writer here is talking about wisdom of God. He's talking about holy wisdom, godly thinking, godly actions, godly behavior, not the kind that makes us show off, but the kind that brings us closer to God. Wisdom, wisdom of God should never be used as vanity as a way of showing off, like the way the Pharisees or, you know, some 
you know, religious people who want to show off how, how holy they are. That's not godly. Showing off how holy you are is not godly. Okay. And it's showing off, you know, yes, a Pope or a Bishop and a priest, they're holy people, but that, but, but there's different levels of holiness. Holiness because you're in the church does not mean you're going to go to heaven. We know this now. We know this, but when you're in a service to God, when you choose to go into the service of God, that's a different responsibility. It is, it's a t totally different responsibility. But we need, what we need is, is to th think godly, live godly, get closer to him so we can be happy. You know, have have God always in our mind when we make certain choices, when we have certain actions, you know, when we have a crisis in front of us, instead of panicking and falling apart, which is normal thing for us to do. But at the same time, when we have him, when a crisis comes, we don't worry. Here, the writer is saying, I preferred her wisdom to scepter and throne. He, the book is attributed to Solomon. It's obviously uh, someone from a royal family. Okay. And it is basically saying that instead of having a ruling position, a powerful political position, whether you're a king or a politician or a great general, wisdom is far better than scepter and throne. Okay, and then he goes on to say, I deem riches nothing in comparison with her, nor, nor did I liken any priceless gem to her, because all gold in view of her is a little sand, and before her silver is to be accounted mire, meaning garbage, meaning filth. All we, we come into this world, no matter who you are, you may be born to riches, you may be born to poverty, but all of us go to the grave. All of us come with nothing and all of us leave with nothing. All right. This is something we have to be aware of. Okay. No matter how rich you get, no matter how famous you get, no matter how much books you sell or how much songs or albums you 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 sell no matter how much uh money you make from clothes or 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 you could be someone like elon musk selling great fantastic uh fancy cars guess what it won't save you you could be the 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 guy who invented amazon bezos and no matter what, you go up into space, it doesn't make a difference. The point is, you come with nothing, you leave with nothing. The grave eventually catches up to us. And we're going to have to make an account before God. Death comes to all. But how did you live your life? Did you make room for God in your life? 
Did you seek and pursue God in your life? Are you aware of your sins? Are you aware of your actions? Did you, do, you, do you think that because you're blessed with wealth that God preferred you before anyone else? No. Wealth is a test. Is a test for every single man and woman. It's a test of how you use it and how you abuse it. We all pray for money. We all want to win the lotto. But how are you going to use that money? Are you quickly going to change when you get the money? Are you going to quickly become stuck up and selfish and contemptuous, you know, and, and look down at people? Are you going to quickly think that you're going to be saved, that money is going to save you? It's not going to save you. It's a matter of fact, the money may reveal the truth about who you are. Showing someone more selfish, someone showing someone more cold. And then at the same time, what happens? Some people become more wicked, more evil, more angry. I work in an institution, a cultural institution. I got to get up early in the morning, sometimes showing up at 8 a.m. So that these members, these uh people who pay for their membership to a cultural institution, they come in to get first look at, a, at an exhibit and they come in early in the morning. When someone like me just wants to be in bed, I don't even, I, I, I find it even a struggle just to get up and say my, my uh, breviary, the, the uh, liturgy, of the hours, I pray that. And it's a struggle. It's a struggle to say the rosary. It's a struggle to say, uh, just to say even the morning prayer, Right. And these people get up, get dressed, and they come in, they're angry as soon as they come in. Early in the morning, before the public comes in, they're already in an angry mood. Right? I got to get up, walk down to the street, you know, take a shower, have breakfast, walk down to the stupid st train station, avoiding the bums and the filth, right? Try to find a spot on the train where it's not dirty, right? trying to say my rosary and I basically it's a struggle because I fall asleep, right? Sometimes I don't even get a chance to, to say it. Remember to get off the train. Hopefully I, I get on the right train and don't have to find myself struggling back from the Bronx and then try to get on the bus and try to get dressed to, to be on my post. And guess what? These people come in, they're angry. They're in a rotten mood. Right? And they live two, three blocks away. Some of them, honestly, come all the way from New Jersey for some reason to see an exhibit in the early morning. And they're like already in their 60s and their 70s and their 80s. And this is what they want to do on, on, a, on a, either on a weekend or, on a, or during early morning hours on a weekday. And I would never do it. I would never get up that early in the morning. But this is what they want to do. And they're, and, and they're already angry. They don't want to say good morning. They don't want to, you know, they're angry because they, they're members of a museum and they don't even know where they come every single time that they don't know, they don't know where their way around. 
This is what they do with their money. And they're still not happy. I wouldn't do it. For the life of me, I wouldn't do that. Okay, I'm the kind of person that likes to enjoy my morning. I don't want to, I don't want to travel. All right, at least not get up at six in the morning or four in the morning so I can go to, go to see an exhibit before the public. I don't want to do that, (laughs) but they do. This is what they want to do. And they're not happy. They're not happy. What is important? Do you do we have our priorities correct? I'm the kind of person that I would rather go down the street to a chapel and try to spend a few minutes before the Blessed Sacrament. I would love to do that. But even I find that a struggle to get up early in the morning. Our lives are constantly geared to the wrong thing. We're not at peace because we're at war with ourselves. We're at war with everything. We're trying to fight to pay the bills. And when we do have the money, why are we still not at peace? Because we're human beings and we're struggling with sin. We're struggling with sin and we're struggling with our own vices. It goes on here. Beyond health and calmness, I loved her. Beyond health and calmness. Beyond health, I guess you can say, and peace of mind. I loved her. To love the spirit, to love holiness, to love wisdom of God, to love the, the, the holy proverbs of God, to love being in the presence of God is more important than health and peace of mind. I chose to have her rather than the, than the light because the splendor of her never yields to sleep. Yet all good things together come to me in her company and countless riches at her hands. It's basically the riches of coming to know God coming to know God and to know his wisdom, to know his truth, to know the good news, to know God's grace, to know uh, the blessings of God is far more important than all the riches of the world. And this is why people are not happy because they're far away from God's holy word. You, you should be happy, you think to yourself, because you've got all, all, all the money in the world, right? All the security, but you're not happy. Because the fact is, we're getting older. We're getting closer to death. And we're in denial. It's meaningless everything like it says in ecclesiastes ecclesiastes all of it is meaningless if you don't have god in your life if you don't have 
God in your life. He who made you is, you're going to go to him. You're going to stand before him. Either you had him in your life, if you had God in your life, or you don't have God in your life, you're going to wind up standing before him and make an account of yourself. This is what wisdom is telling us. You have to at least let God take over your life. Make that decision. And everything else will make sense. Ask for guidance. Ask for understanding. That's what I've been praying for. That's what I want. I want to be more holy. I want to be more happy. I want to be happy in God. I don't want to be happy without God. I don't think it's possible to be happy without God. Anyway, let's move on to the next one. Okay. Now it's Psalm 90. And the response is, Fill us with your love, O Lord, and we will sing for joy. Fill us with your love, O Lord, and we will sing for joy. Fill us with your love, O Lord, and we will sing for joy. Teach, teach us to, to number our days aright. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain wisdom of heart. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Okay. Teach, fill us with your love, O Lord, and we will sing for joy. Let me read it one more time. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain wisdom of heart. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Fill us with your love, O Lord, and we will sing for joy. Fill us at daybreak with your kindness, that we may shout for joy and gladness all our days. Make us glad for the days when you, when you afflicted us, for the years when we saw evil. Fill us with your love, O Lord, and we will sing for joy. Let your work be seen by your servants and your glory by your children. And may the gracious care of the Lord our God be ours. Prosper the work of our hands for us. Prosper the work of our hands. Fill us with your love, O Lord, and we will sing for joy. Okay, let's look at this. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain wisdom of heart. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Everything that happens, I think, honestly, it's it's hard. It's not an easy, um, um, I think, an easy thing to conclude. Horrible bad days are not meant to hurt us. They're meant to make us more holy. Uh, horrible experiences, like say tragic experiences, like like what we went through with the COVID, right? Um, I mean, I still struggle trying to understand exactly because I... I don't really trust the media anymore because I, I'm not trying to say one thing is more evil than the other. Because when you when I saw the images of the um, uh, of the Spanish influenza experience, you saw uh, body bags, people being brought out from their apartments. You saw pictures of it. In the COVID, I just don't think it's as 
it was as bad as that era. I'm not saying it is because it's unfair to compare one with the other. But I can't help but feel that much of it has been politicized, especially with the fact that it was an election period. And I think certain points of the media have abused it. But still, it doesn't make it, does not, it, it, it still makes it an evil, an evil thing. Yes, people have died from COVID. I mean, we know that Cardinal Burke, right? He's in his 80s. He came down with COVID. He was in a ventilator. He survived it. Most of the victims, from what I heard, especially with the Cuomo incident in New York, where he put COVID patients in senior citizen homes, that was an evil thing. Now, regardless if, let's say, it was deliberate or not deliberate, it seemed to have been deliberate from what the investigation says, and all these poor elderly people, right, who technically have very poor immune system died from it and there was a cover-up that's evil that's evil it's an evil thing especially when you were well aware that this thing could be dangerous whoever this how how the decision was made or was it a well aware i i will let the investigation figure it out but the point is what i'm trying to say is is that bad times like these Especially when the government and you see people getting arrested, you're seeing churches being locked up, you're seeing priests being prevented from going to uh, to give last rites. Uh, when you have mass mandates, it's worse in some places like Australia where it's become draconian, where it, they're, they're arresting people, literally arresting people, especially if you're walking out without a mask. People trying to shame people because they're because of the whole mask thing, uh, the whole mandate for the vaccine, and then uh, people losing their jobs, people giving up their jobs. It's it. This is one of those evil times, and I believe that a worse thing could be coming. And the one thing, the whole purpose of it, is to bring out better holiness. We have forgotten God. We have forgotten the world we live in. We have forgotten that God created the world. We are a very materialistic culture. And now we're having things being taken away from us. And that's because it will bring out a more holier church, a more, more saints, and this here, you know, is telling us, teach us to number the, our days aright and that we may gain wisdom of heart. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Then it goes on. Fill us at daybreak with your kindness that we may shout for joy and gladness all our days. Make us glad for the days when you afflicted us for the years when we saw evil. The affliction that's permitted is to, is to make us more holy and glad, to bring out a more, whole, more holy people, 
because we have to be aware that we have no control of our lives. We have no control of the world around us. We think we do because of all our technology, but we don't. We don't have it. Let your work be seen by your servant and your glory by their children. And may the gracious care of the Lord our God be ours. Prosper the work of our hands for us. Prosper the work of our hands. You know, we we have things handed over to us and we forget that whenever we, we go out to work, whenever we go out to do... This is important that we have to remember. We don't have control of things. And we are, we are dependent on Him. Our life is in His hands. He can take everything away. Remember the days of Noah. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember Egypt, a powerful empire. And they had no control over things around them. They depended on the Nile. They depended on their slaves. Romans depended on their slaves. Babylon, Persia, Alexander the Great, Right? All have come and all have left. Everything is in God's hands, good or bad. All is in his hands. All right, let's move on. Our second reading is from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 to 23. The word of God discerns reflection and thoughts of heart. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Indeed, the word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to discern reflections and thoughts of heart. No creature is concealed from him, but everything is naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must render an account. Okay, one more time. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Indeed, the word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to discern and reflections and thoughts of the heart. No creature is concealed from him but everything is naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must render an account. This uh, he, he, letter of Hebrews, I, I believe from my, you know, this is what I believe. Uh, it's St. It's Saint Paul who wrote it. It just, I believe it is. I believe it's his probably, in my opinion, uh, one of his greatest masterpieces. It doesn't give us the name of the person, uh, the apostle who wrote it, but it mentions Timothy's name and it mentions others. I, I believe it's St. Paul himself. Um, and it's written, I think, during the time of the, uh, I think what is happening is the uh, Nero persecution, probably at the time. And... It was also because the persecution that began in Rome, also persecution began in Jerusalem uh, for the church because Christians were being attacked in Rome. And I believe that was happening in uh, in Jerusalem. The Christians were also being kicked out of the synagogues or being churches, churches were being shut down. Uh, 
I just think that that's exactly what's happening. And um, um, here, the word of God. Um, I believe with all honesty that Catholics got to start reading their Bible and start learning about their faith. Recently, uh, Father Altman, who got suspended from his priesthood, he could only say Mass alone privately to himself uh, or to his family members. He had a talk with a bishop, and this bishop, the thing of Wisconsin, admitted for the last 50 years or more, right, since Vatican II, the bishops had not been teaching the faith. They have not been teaching the faith. As a matter of fact, they passed it down. Uh, instead of uh, they, they passed it down to which which God Himself, the Holy Spirit, the bishops picked their own <laughs> their own lay people, people that they preferred, uh, people that worked for them, and in the diocese, in the uh, Catholic education, or the the uh, the wrong people, people that they were that were really that had more political. Uh, agendas than they had, uh, let's say, faith agenda. People with who were activists, you know, this is why we got all this uh, inclusive language in some of our uh, uh, material, religious material. Um, I mean, I hate to say it, but even sadly, uh, the new Amer the new Catholic version has some inclusive language, especially the beginning of the creation scene. Um, it's beautiful translation, but the inclusive language comes out in some areas and I don't like it. I hate it. Um, the creation part where it doesn't say God created man, God created human beings. And it does, it's not poetic. It doesn't come out right. Uh, I, regardless what the point is, is that they dropped the ball. They dropped the ball and the faith has not been taught properly. Uh, as a matter of fact, a lot went wrong, especially I don't like altar girls. I don't think I think altar boys is meant it, it, what it should be because it's supposed to inspire them to become priests. When you put altar girls, you're using that as an agenda for some for some of the church to try to push for female priesthood. And that's what a lot of people want. They want to change the church, make it look more like the world, un, indistinguishable from the world. It's not about faith. It's about changing getting rid of the old world and making it into their so-called utopia. Catholics don't know their faith. They don't know what to believe. They don't know how to believe. They don't know the difference between, some Catholics don't even know the difference between good and evil or don't care about the difference between good and evil. Gay priests, gay nuns, gay lesbian priests, whatever you want to say, they want to bring all that in. They want to bring it in and they're, Basically, they're suppressing the word. They're suppressing the truth, strangling it, stifling it. And with all honesty, what the Holy Spirit is going to do is that the Holy Spirit is going to fight back. The truth is going to come out. And if it has to, it has to rock the church. and It has to basically um, expose the evil expose the abuse the holy spirit the holy spirit's main purpose is to create saints is to create holiness if the holy spirit has to make bishop against bishop 
go, go against each other. The Holy Spirit will do it. If the Holy Spirit has to make priest against priest, the Holy Spirit will do it. Lay person against lay person, the Holy Spirit will do it. The Holy Spirit will sift us, all right? The devil may do it to put us to the test, but the Holy Spirit is the one that's doing it, permitting the, some bad things to happen so that good things can come out to separate the wheat from the shaft, to, to, to separate the, the, the grain from the thorns and thistles. One side of the church is dying. All right, the liberal side, the conservative side, it's dying. Okay, just like what you're going to see among you go to conservative states, you're going to see more families, more husbands and wives with kids, more children. They have like four, five, even up to seven kids here in places like the liberal states. You're going to see practically the, the main is 0, 0.0. The above average, the more common average is 0 0.1. The above average is 0 0.2. You might see three with some families, but guess what? That's the average here, 0 0.2 above. When the above average in conserve, other conservative state, guess what? Is 0 points, is, is basically seven kids. That's the common, that, that, that's the above average. The common average is probably four to five kids. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to get that here. Those particular families move to conservative states. The, over here, they contracept themselves, they abort themselves. That's why you're seeing less people in churches. You're seeing less kids. The Hispanics are going to wind up uh, leaving as well when they when they start improving. They're going to go to conservative conservative states. All right, here they're dying. The communities are dying, in New York, in New Jersey, in in Connecticut. It's 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 an unfriendly environment for Christians for Catholics and for Jews. They don't want to be here. They don't want to be where they're not welcomed. And they don't want to be where their kids are not, uh, they, they can't, they can't uh, decide for their kids. The Holy Spirit is going to make them pick up and leave. Go to places where it's safer to raise your kids. Go to places where the word of God is not stifled. That's, you know, they call it the great Catholic migration in some circles. Taylor Marshall uses that. Well, that's what's going to happen here. That's what's going to happen here. They're not going to stay here. They're not going to say wisdom. Wisdom of God says pick up and leave. All right. That's what the whole point of the exodus is. Okay. They're not, they're not welcomed in Egypt. They're not supposed to be in Egypt. They're, they're going to go and start their own community someplace else. That is the whole purpose of the word of God. The bishops here are not holy men. They're not holy men. So every tree that does not bear fruit must be cut off and thrown into the fire. These dioceses will have to die. They must die if they do not, if they do not become holy. Okay. 
You can't, you know, you can't play, you can't be, you can't compromise. You can't play that game. It doesn't work that way with the word, with God. All right. Remember the book of Revelation. They, those dioceses, those bishop dioceses all no longer exist. There were seven churches in Asia Minor, seven churches. They all had to die because they all, they, they all suppressed the truth. Okay, let's move on. Okay, now we get to the gospel. Alleluia, alleluia. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Alleluia, alleluia. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. And now we get to the gospel according to St. Mark. Sell what you have and follow me. It's chapter 10. Verse 17 to 30, uh, but we're going to read the whole thing to from uh, chapter 10, verse 17 to 27. I hate the short brackets. Uh, I know they're going to do it in mass. Okay, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. As Jesus was sitting out, uh, was set, I'm sorry, as Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up knelt down before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud, honor, your father and your mother. He then replied and said to him, Teacher, all of these I have observed from my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You are lacking in one thing. Go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At that statement, his face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. So Jesus again said to them in reply, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were exceedingly astonished and said among themselves, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For human beings it is impossible, but not for God. All things are possible for God. Peter began to say to him, We have given up everything and followed you. Jesus said, Amen, I say to you. There is no one who has given up house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more now in this present, present age. House and brother and sister and mother and children and lands with persecution 
and eternal life in the age to come. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so we went from the Book of Wisdom, which taught compared earthly um, earthly comforts uh, and the wisdom and holiness of life and wisdom and holiness in God. And then we saw the... Uh, the uh, Psalm 90, which talked about, you know, uh, you know, difficult times, persecutions, or evil times, you know, that aren't meant not to hurt us, but to bring us closer to him. Because we human beings, we live in a very materialistic world. And then we saw uh, the letter of the Hebrews, which talks about the word of God. Uh, faith in God's word, God's holy word. And then, you know, that how it, it, it penetrates to to bone and marrow and to the very core of a person's conscience and, 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 and spirit. And uh, that's now we come to the gospel, to the height of it. And in the gospel, we have a rich man, a rich young man, the famous this famous story who he wants to be holy. He wants to achieve holiness. He has a, he wants, he wants that, but he doesn't want to give up his material life. Not that his material life is evil. There's nothing wrong with material wealth, but the only problem is it has a habit of, uh, where you tend to be more satisfied when your material existence but your heart, your, 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 your heart, your spiritual core is malnourished. Your spiritual life is malnourished. And, and there's a habit where people often neglect that. And so they're empty. You can have all your comforts. And the problem is you can have them to the point where it goes into gluttony. It goes into alcoholism, it goes into food, it goes into entertainment, and you're bored, you're bored, you're bored, you're trying to find something that can satisfy you, your, your physical needs, but you meanwhile you're neglecting your spiritual needs, and even though sometimes you may entertain spiritual needs, like this young man, he doesn't, he can't, he can't give up his, his, his wealth. And Jesus put him to the test. God put him to the test. And he walked away sad because he had too many. He had too many that he doesn't know how to give them up. And when I went earlier in the beginning of the uh, of this podcast, I talked about, you know, um, about that, about, uh, you know, about wealth and about, you know, evil times. I talked about a lot of the things that went on you know, and everything to beginning the podcast and about how, you know, these people, you know, they get up early in the morning, they go to see an exhibit uh, at, at a cultural institution or a museum and how they're not happy. They're not happy. And how some of us, we get up because we're forced to get up because we got to work. And a lot of people, you know, with money, uh, it's funny, in the Chosen series, the Jonathan Rumi playing Jesus when he was making something, a little girl was asking, what are you making? I'm making some, you know, you know, patterns and stuff like that. You know, like, I guess you could say 
that they can decorate. They like to decorate their houses with beautiful patterns and stuff. They often do because they have the money, because they're trying to find satisfaction. They look towards uh, art. Art is one of the things that, that, that rich people tend to, a lot of people tend to do, really. But rich especially, they, they, want, they, they want to do some good with their money. But the fact is, is that often they're not satisfied. They buy art. They buy beautiful statues. They buy, they put, they pay to have beautiful patterns in their homes, like tiles and stuff like that, and have their walls painted beautifully. They buy beautiful curtains. They have their gardens designed. They want those things. And often it's only short term. Short term. They buy another house out in the country. They want to get away from the city. They can't stay there, stay there forever. But they do stay there for some time. Maybe they enjoy it. And then they travel. They want to go to Europe. They want to go to Paris and Italy. They want to go to Greece. They want to go to other places. And they're trying. They're trying to satisfy their needs. But money can be a curse when you have too much of it. When you have things given to you that easily. It can neglect the soul. The soul is neglected. You're disconnected. You're disconnected with people. You're disconnected with the world around you. You're disconnected from your own soul. You're disconnected from God ultimately and you're not satisfied but when you do try to satisfy it you don't want to give up one but you still want it you still want the other but you want it on your own terms not god's terms and that's where the problem is and he's right it's probably very dangerous for some rich people because it becomes harder it's easy for the camel to go through the eye of a needle. The eye of the needle was a narrow, was a gate, a very low gate. It's like the eye of the needle flat. The way your eyelid is horizontal, uh, you know, on a horizontal level. So what happens is the camel can go through, but he can't go through with the goods stacked up on its back. So the camel merchant has to take it down, take down the all the goods. And then take the camel through the needle, right, to get it to the other side. But he has to take all his goods to the other side or the camel first, whichever is faster. But often, if he has uh, help, they'll take everything to the other side, stack them there. And once they get through all that, the camel, the camel then gets stacked with all the goods again on the other side. And it's often, you know, I guess it's a, who knows, I don't know if they pay a tax or pay a toll, whatever, but they, it's a, it's, 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 it's one of the most unhappy uh, experiences for the merchants, I guess, in that, and, and I, I don't think they're happy about that because they should be able to get through it easily to get their goods, but they have to get through there. And, you know, and it's easier I guess Jesus is comparing. He's making. I think in the in the in the original language, the Aramaic, there's a pun with words, but you know, I don't I don't know what it is. But technically, 
he's saying, he's comparing it. He's comparing the rich person as the camel or the merchant, whatever, because most of them are merchants with all their riches stacked up on them. And the eye of the needle is 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 a is a pathway to God's God's salvation. But they don't know how to t- unstack those un- uh, un- uh, unstack those goods, those uh, those those uh, products or those things that's holding them from getting through to the Word of God, and that's what he's using it, and he's using it as that as a pun on it, and that's true, because we we have too many attachments. We need to let go of those attachments to get to him. But even a poor person can be can be comfortable. I mean, in this day and age, we're living poor people can live far better than most other people in the past. I mean, poor people can own cell phones now. You don't have to be rich to have a cell phone. You could be poor to have a cell phone. And a lot of people are like that. The problem is, is that it could be a richness doesn't necessarily have to be always be wealth. And there's nothing evil about having wealth. It's when the wealth controls you. And that's where the problem lies. You know, we need to reach for God. We need to acknowledge the, some of the things that are holding us back. For some, it could be video games. For some, it could be constant entertainment. For others, it could be food. For others, it could be sex. For others, it could be maybe entertainment, sports. There's all kinds of stuff that could hold us back. You know, laziness is a, is, is, is a very dangerous one, probably far more dangerous. The rich person at least is aware that they need God in their life. But to sell what you have and give to the poor what he's saying is, start not looking to yourself. Get down from yourself. Get down from that camel. Get rid of, you know, put aside those goods and think of other people. Make Jesus often said it, he said it himself. He who is the greatest must make himself a servant for the rest. He who is the least must be, you know, must must make himself a service to even others, uh, other people. In other words, a service to other people is getting out of yourself. Even a poor person can be stuck on themselves, can feel pity for them, feels too much sorrow, too much self-sorrow for themselves. And that's where you have to get out of. You have to, you have to least, you know, you could be blessed with wisdom and be poor. But if you're constantly with self-pity, like you see a lot of people, they're always told to feel pity for themselves, to feel sorry for themselves, to, 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 uh, to play that violin. It could be, it could be a idolatry that could turn to idolatry. And we need to get out of ourselves. All right, let's move on. All right. Let's say a um, a Hail Mary for those people who are struggling, struggling to find God in their lives, struggling to break away from material control or from uh, from negative thinking, from uh, uh, people who could be stuck with uh, bad vices, 
Let's say Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Let's say a Hail Mary for our priests, our uh, bishops, our uh, monsignors, and uh, religious life. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Let's say a Hail Mary for the Pope. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Let's say a prayer for the elderly, those who live alone. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. A prayer for the holy souls in purgatory. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. And for those who... Um, who are suffering from the uh, vaccine mandate, who may find themselves losing their job. Uh, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. For those who are uh, stuck in mortal sin, uh, who are suffering uh, from that, from uh, constant uh suffering from constant moral sin, uh, that they may find uh, repentance and uh, they can make, break free from it. And the grace to break free. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. And let's say a St. Michael prayer. St. Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, only begotten Son of God born of the Father before all ages. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried. He rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. 
I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. All right, folks. Um, so this is something we all have to, we have to, we have to realize this is that I think the reason why things are happening the way they are is because we are too comfortable. We're materialistically too comfortable. And we're politically too comfortable. I mean, honestly, uh, not completely, but I mean what I mean by politically too comfortable is that we've come to rely on a government and we come also not to do anything about sin and evil. We've come to tolerate it. So much so that it's changing everything. It's, it's, it's making us spiritually lazy. And we've come to tolerate evil and we've made excuses for it. And we're also, in a sense, we've taken faith, we've taken God for granted. We have to change the way we think. We can't think this way anymore. So the Holy Spirit is going to separate the wheat from the shaft. I'm not saying it's God who does it. It's it's God who does it. And he uses... Um, Politics, economics, plagues, and and strife. Because you can't, you can't, you know, you can't keep doing this. You can't, you know, we brought God down to our level. When, when the incarnation happened, it wasn't God coming down to our level. It's it was God. It was God Himself uh, communicating to us. It wasn't. He wasn't downplaying himself. He didn't. He didn't put. A, he didn't uh, throw away his divinity. He, humanity was made in his image. He was taking back what was his. And we make excuses. We tend to replay it and say, "Well, he came down to our level. You know, he cut himself down to our size." No, he did not. He did not do that. And another thing is, we we are too complacent we we make too much acceptance we make too much excuses for evil and that's what has to change all right i'm going to end it here and uh, i'll try to get back hopefully i can get do the uh, gospel before uh before the weekend ends all right god bless